You are listening to Listen, the show where me and a guest rank and list things in pop culture. And today's a very special show because uh, we, we just did a show with Baron Reinhardt from Need to Breathe. It was a music-heavy show. But today, I wanted to shift gears a little uh, and do something a little bit outside the culture realm. But for for listeners that have followed me for some time, know that uh, you know my background is in journalism and I love news. And so I really wanted to do a, a show about ranking news stories. I, we had Wendy Zuckerman. Uh, the the science journalist on recently to do a show about science news, but I knew the person I wanted to call because I feel like, you know, spring is starting to be sprung around the country. People are wanting to get outside. Moods are turning around, and it's it's this time of year where I feel like everyone needs to be reminded of good news happening. That's why I'm very excited to have on today a storyteller, a speaker, the host of the Sounds Good podcast, and the founder of the Good Newspaper that you can find over at goodgoodgood.co. Welcome to the show, Brandon Harvey. Jesse, I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is such a treat. Well, so so real quick before we before we jump into the good news that's happening right now, you, you have you founded a project which I think is is one of the the coolest and most needed ideas in media. And I'm not just saying that, man. Like <laughs> it, it's such an encouraging thing. Tell people why you wanted to found an outlet that is dedicated to telling good stories. Yeah. So. Uh my background was in the world of humanitarian photography. I got to spend years traveling around the world helping nonprofits tell the stories of the good that they're doing. And everywhere I went, I encountered a lot of problems, a lot of heartbreak, pain, and injustice. And it it was, of course, very jarring and, and, and heartbreaking to see all of these problems. But no matter what community I went to, no matter what the problem I encountered was I always found people who were on the ground working to create solutions to those problems. And it reminded me of this quote that I'm sure that you've heard and uh, everybody's heard from the beloved Mr. Rogers when he said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. And that has been 100% true in my experience. No matter where I went, there were always people creating solutions to problems. There were always helpers. And I just... It took me traveling to all these places to figure that out. And I I wish that I didn't have to do that to figure it out because not everybody has that privilege. Not everybody has that ability. And so I set out to found Good, Good, Good in order to make it easier for people to be reminded that there will always be people who are helping. And not only that, but we all have the opportunity to join in and become helpers as well. Yeah. Well, it's such an inspiring story. The other thing I love about it is uh, a physical newspaper. Like, <laughs> you know, for, for people who haven't seen it, like, you, it's, a, it's a newspaper you can hold in your hands. Why, why, wh- what's your relationship with like old school newspapers, Brandon? Yeah, I will say the <laughs> it's like the stupidest decision that I ever made that, that the company ever made because it shouldn't have worked. Yeah. Uh, we make a physical print newspaper that, we ship thousands of them to people all over the country every month, um, and uh, it. I, I you asked like what my background with 
physical newspapers is uh, zero. Like I, I don't <laughs> think I ever paid for a newspaper in my yeah. entire life. Uh, I, you know, I got them for free at hotels and stuff. Yeah. I read them <laughs> on occasion when like my dad left it out, but I've never paid for one. Yeah. But there's this interesting thing about bad news and good news where um, neuroscience actually shows that bad news sticks to our brains like Velcro and good news slides right off our brains like Teflon. And it's just, it's been in our DNA for centuries and it's still there. And that's why, you know, for example, uh, I mean, not only like does bad news make you feel terrible when you're, you know, watching cable news or whatever, but also, you know, you post something nice on Instagram, you get, uh, you know, a good number of people liking it, positively commenting. You get that one passive aggressive person, that one person who says something cynical or rude. What's the thing you're thinking about at the end of the day? Is it the hundred people who said something nice or the one person who you kind of don't like anyway, who said something mean? It's the mean thing. And so with good, 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 I knew that we had to do something to, to, trick our brains because yeah. of that internal negativity bias. And I knew that that we just couldn't try to operate like normal. And I was like, what's something weird that will get you to pay a little bit more attention to good news? Because ultimately, this is like a little spoiler alert, but the trick to absorbing more good news is to spend a little bit more time with it, to mm. acknowledge it, to almost meditate on it. That's why gratitude journaling is so brilliant. Yeah. That's why when you... Uh, tell somebody else good news. It helps you absorb it on a deeper level. And so we were like, okay, how do we hack these things a little bit? And so a, a physical newspaper does that because one, you, you're like, this is hilarious. I have to open this. Who had the stupid idea to create this? But two, you're you're slowing down when you're reading it. You can't get push notifications for bad news in a in a newspaper. We've tried. Um, we have not tried. That would be terrible. But. Um, <laughs> There's so many reasons why it just it it hacks your brain and does something a little bit different than what it's expecting, and so you're able to absorb good news on a bit of a, a deeper level. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I love it too because it's literally in every way the opposite of doom scrolling, which is like <laughs> the horrible habit I fell into right at the yep. beginning of COVID. I mean, I feel like we all did that to a degree, just throughout our like, oh man, look agreed. What, Look at here's a terrible hashtag. Let me see every let me see everyone's take on it. But, you know, since COVID, there's been this weird sort of like therapy. What started off with it was like, okay, I need as much information, you know, when humanity was sort of thrust in this pandemic, a situation that none of us really had ever dealt with before. It was like, dude, I just want as much information. What's the latest? When's the vaccine? You know, tell me about the mask thing. And then it just like just became this weird sort of sick anti-therapy where people would just be like, Hey, I just want to go see, I can't know. I can't not know how terrible the world is. You know what I mean? Like it really infected people's mindsets. Well, and something interesting that we have done that, you know, there's, there's other good news outlets out there. Like we're not the first ones to come up with this, but something that I think that we do uniquely well, I think, and it's just because our community is so amazing and this is what they care about, but we never run away from bad news. Like if you go to our Instagram account or if you open up a paper, you're not going to see the absence of bad news. You're going to see the response to bad news. Mm. So at the beginning of COVID, we actually went viral because we were talking about 
uh, the many problems that people were facing, whether it's just the ways that we were all collectively facing problems or the fact that you know people experiencing homelessness were disproportionately being affected or marginalized communities. And, and what we wanted to do was acknowledge these significant problems so that we all together could find solutions for them or amplify the people who were already creating that. And mm. so I do feel like part of my job sometimes, and I do this job so that you don't have to, is to do some of that doom scrolling to understand what are the things that are overwhelming others, what are the things that are overwhelming me, and then we, and then at that point, we take it to the next level and we look for like Ms. Rogers said, the helpers. We look yeah. for the people who are already responding to that, and then we work together to support that. Well, let's let's go ahead and and let's give people a firsthand experience with how positive an experience that listening to good news. Let's list some moods right now. Let's make some people feel better because you've identified five good news stories that that kind of transpired in in recent months. I have five. We're gonna both list ours. Oh, I love this. We're gonna we're gonna come away from this. Just, just recharged, ready to tackle the world, and and not really focused on all the the the, the problems out there. Uh, but we're going to be focused on the solutions and the responses to them. Yes, this is perfect. And I will say, this is super hard for me. Like okay. we we put together a newspaper every month, an email newsletter every week, and like a bunch of Instagram posts every day. We're creating all this content. And even then, we still are leaving good news stories on the cutting room floor. Like there yeah. is too much good news for us to possibly share it on our budget and our abilities. And so uh, you gave me a very challenging job. And so I did section things off into like some of my favorite stories of certain types. And so my first type, should I jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. So the the first example, because I've already alluded to it, is the look for the helpers story. Mm. So this is looking for a problem that people are facing in the world, but then saying, there must be somebody who is working to create a solution to this. And I've yeah. already alluded to it uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, We saw the incredible need for uh, people to be washing their hands, maintaining social distancing. Uh, and that is, a pr- that is something that is a very difficult ask for people experiencing homelessness mm. because they don't always have access to hand washing stations or and when they have access to uh soap and water it's usually in a Starbucks bathroom and what if a yeah. Starbucks bathroom is closed because Starbucks is closed because we're in a global pandemic and you can see where the problem is and so the helper that I want to highlight for this first story is a guy named Terrence Lester he's the founder of a nonprofit called Love Beyond Walls out of Atlanta and he it works closely with people experiencing homelessness. And so from day one, he knew that this was going to be an issue and set out to Mm. solve it. And I love how inventive he was because he actually, I believe the story was he at one point had like used an RV and found that like RVs have these like cool, like camping hand washing stations where you can put some water in there. You can use like a foot pump. He's like, I wonder how hard it would be to just get like, thousands of these. Yeah. <laughs> and of course the answer is terribly hard, but yeah. not something that he couldn't do. And so yeah. he and his nonprofit and his community work together uh, to acquire a bunch of these, put them not only all over Atlanta to serve and help 
protect people experiencing homelessness, but all over the United States. And I even think that I got news that they have made their way to Europe and a bunch of spots all over the world. So he, by asking this question, by paying attention, he was able to be a helper that went far beyond just the the people that he serves, but people all over the world. That's awesome, man. I I love I love that you've identified like a category that is the helper because everyone loves those helper stories. And and, and the other thing too about those stories is no matter what the scale, because that's a large yes. scale, right? Like that's totally. a huge project that's going to impact a lot of lives in the home, like countless lives. But it, like on that scale, it's inspiring. But even th- this is a rant. But when you said helpers, I immediately thought of like, oh, I remember. I remember what we have. There's like a comedy club down the street from where I live. And I, the guy, his name's David Koshner. He's uh, he's an actor. He play he's he plays Todd Packer on The Office. Um, uh, amazing. Yeah, and he's like he's in he's like in all the Judd Apatow movies with like yep. Will Ferrell, you know, like <laughs> Anchorman and all. Like uh, he plays like a hilarious dirtbag in everything he's in. But anyway, he was performing at the at the comedy club down the street, and there someone got a flat tire right in the middle of like a four lane intersection. And when the police showed up, there was a guy helping these this person, this poor woman, and stuck in the middle of the intersection, change his tire. And it was David Koshner, the actor. It was Todd <laughs> Packer. And it's like that's wow. not that it's not a, that's a very small scale helper story. But it's also it is weird that when you hear just someone helping someone else, it's like, dude, that's inspiring. That actually makes my day better. Whether it's somebody changing a tire, whether it's helping a homeless community facing an unprecedented situation, there's something that it makes me want to go find someone who has a problem that I can help them with. Totally. And that's how everything starts too. You know, Terrence Lester didn't start with this ginormous goal to help people experiencing homelessness all over the world. He set out to help one person and then that multiplied over time. And it also doesn't have to. You can just help yeah. one person. He does like Todd Packer doesn't have to go and start a, a service that helps ladies change their tires. He could just do that that one time and then yeah. look for other opportunities to be a helper wherever he's at. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, I love that category, the helper story. And that and that is such a cool one about the uh the hand washing station. Okay, mine is my first one is it's it's a study. But the the story is it, that the world is actually better than we think it is. Mm. Neurologically, we are predisposed, like you were saying earlier, for that negative. This is sort of, kind of an this study kind of demonstrates that idea. But they have a really interesting methodology that that demonstrates that genetic predisposition. What they did is they started off with a pie like these different dots, and they were different colors. And participants were told to go and choose all the blue dots and remove them. Well, they started the researchers started switching out the dots so that the there were less and less blue dots available for the participants to select and remove. But something interesting happened, and that was people when they were told you have to remove the blue dots in order to receive your reward, they would start picking up other colors because they would perceive them as blue. Their minds told them if you're taught to look for something and there's a reward associated with it or or some sort of neurological trigger like fear, like I'm not going to be able to accomplish the task, your brain will find it. So I want to read Forbes did a really interesting uh, uh, write up on this where they I want to read just a brief portion. Uh, where they explained that uh, for another experiment, they presented participants with images of faces that had previously been rated as threatening or non-threatening and asked them to identify the threatening ones. 
Again, they found that, quote, when the prevalence of threatening targets decreased, participants' concept of threat expanded to include targets that it had previously excluded. So basically, if you're told to look for bad things, your mind will find things that it will assign the idea that it's bad, even when, to your point earlier, Brandon, it's actually an opportunity to do something good. And so the the implications of this study, Forbes' Rod Ashker, he actually wrote this in some commentary about the research. This isn't to say that society lacks real and urgent problems. It does mean that society should maintain an even keel even while doing so. This involves shutting out some of the loudest voices and some of the most fanatical leaders, whether they are on the right or left, and taking a more reasoned approach, knowing that we're predisposed to fear and negativity. I when I hear studies like this, it really does make me hopeful because it kind of shows how large of a role perception plays in our view of our own reality. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think that it's really important that we all grow in our awareness of that because obviously the example you just used is evidence of the systemic bias that I'm sure affects, you know, disproportionately affects people of color uh, when it's used in a negative sense because yeah. people are looking for the bad and because of internal biases, uh, they are going to find that in, you know, particular groups of people in in the context of 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 crime, for example. Yeah. But when we become aware of that, exactly. then not only can we push back against those biases, but we can do the opposite and we can say, let's look for the good, let's find more good. And and we will find it always. Yeah. And that's why I think this re- this type of research is so important because it really does emphasize the importance of reason and of, you know, ultimately too, for, for people who are of, you know, certain religious convictions, compassion and to, to mm-hmm. approach, you know, to approach situations, not with skepticisms or fear, but with a, a degree of open-mindedness, knowing that most of our negative feelings about a certain situation are due to factors that are kind of neurologically outside of our control. We have to kind of take a step back and approach people with good faith and grace or, or else, you know, we're, we're probably projecting things that aren't really true. So really fascinating research. Um, all right, Brandon. That's amazing. You, yeah, r- really, really cool stuff. All right. Uh, and that's why this that's why this episode's so important. We got yes. we, we don't want people replacing their negative blue dots. We got to put more g- good in the mix. So what, what, do you got, right. what do you got next up, Brandon? Um, so next up, I have an example of people using skills that are unique to them because I think we all have this. We yeah. all have something that's unique to who we are, whether it's a, a passion, an ability, a context, privilege, and we get the opportunity to use those in ways that only we can for good. And I love this story uh, of combat diving veterans who are using their skills to restore ocean health. Oh, so wow. there's this organization, they're called Force Blue, and they take the best divers in the world when they've retired from the military after like extensive, incredible training. Like like it's some of the hardest training that you can do in the military is to be a a combat diving uh, diver. I don't don't know what the word is. My my cousin's actually an army. He leads an army dive unit. No way. 
So I can, That's wild. And, and my cousin, he's younger than me. And so like growing up, I could always like just dominate him in all sports. <laughs> now, <laughs> now yeah, you don't want to he, mess with him. He's, he's a, he's a, like, he see, if you saw him walking down the street, you're like, he could be in the Avengers probably, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's this incredible and unique skill set that like, yeah. I do not have, you do not have. And this organization takes these divers and gives them the opportunity after they retire to take on a new mission, uh, giving them back that sense that their skill set can be utilized. And so they're deployed to help restore coral reefs, to remove invasive species, to remove marine debris. And they even are deployed after natural disasters. You think about like uh, Hurricane Harvey or Irma and how you know, these incredible winds are, you know, throwing all kinds of things into the water, destroying coral reefs underwater. Like there's all these things that are happening. And so they'll deploy them after these to help rebuild these. And what I love about this story is that it can be really hard for a lot of people who leave the military to transition to civilian life. And so this yeah. organization is doing two things. One, uh, they are helping solve the climate crisis and helping, you know, preserve our underwater stuff. I don't know. I, you yeah. know, I'm not an expert on this. Uh, important. But, hey, all I know is there's important stuff down there. I might not I, poke around a lot, but I've never seen what, it, but I but believe listen, I, yeah, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the Nemo movies. I know there's a whole world happening down there. Yeah. <laughs> and they can talk. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> From what I understand, they communicate pretty well and have very strong family units. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just love that they're solving, you know, the environmental crisis, but also this problem uh, for for people who need to have a healthy transition yeah. to civilian life and to gain that purpose. And it, it's it's a very unique solution that a small group of people can be a part of. But like when they take that opportunity, so beautiful. Yeah, it really is. It, you know, there are so many. You know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to transit. I was going to do it for a different one here, but I'm going to transition because I feel like this goes th these That's go perfect. well together. Because my the story I wanted to talk about is uh, how Gen Z, which you know, always it's always the younger generation that becomes the target of of you know kind of news media fascination. We're both. I, I, I it's fair to assume we're both you know kind of on the millennial spectrum. You yep. know, uh, generationally. So we, it wasn't that long ago where we were the subject of a thousand, our generation was the subject of like a thousand think pieces. Now, you know, that's sort of Gen Z's role. Uh, I don't know about you, but I miss the attention. I really do. I really do. Now, the, all the millennial stories now are, are just like depressing. You know what I mean? Like totally. most, yeah, most millennials now realize they'll never achieve their dreams. <laughs> study. You know, it's like, why did you even study that? Why'd you have to ask them? You know, like, what? who is this benefiting? Who is this millennials? You know, but, but you know, you, you hear all, all these kind of disparaging stories about uh, younger generations kind of dependence on screens or, or a, a lot of stereotypes that honestly follow every young generation, you know, but there is so much research coming out about how Gen Z is actually really, really cool. And I'm very excited that they're coming after us. I have two young children. So I'm, you know, some of this research that involves Gen Z, particularly their impulses to do exactly what you you were talking about in that last story of making a positive impact on the world and finding creative solutions that help people in solving problems, it makes me really, really hopeful, you know, mm -hmm. especially when, when you look kind of at the legacy of 
prior generations, right? You know, you you have like the baby boomers who, uh, you know, kind of the greatest, or, or I'm sorry, you have like the greatest generation who, you know, their story has been well documented and will be, you know, I feel like their legacy pretty sealed in kind of Western history for their role in in stopping fascism, you know? Then you look at kind of the baby boomers and, uh, you know, kind of 70s culture, but you also see kind of the consumption of the 80s. I think with millennials, you see a generation that really kind of ushered in a technological revolution, but also, you know, lost some identity in frequent tragedies and wars in their generation. And you look at Gen Z, I think what we're what they have an opportunity to do with their fusion of innovative thinking with with tech and business and just the workplace. You know, there's all these studies about how Gen Z just thinks differently when it comes to the work environment and more, you know, a different approach to kind of work life balance. But also, you know, some of the 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 numbers indicate that, you know, they're really going to pursue these type of organizations and and institutions and, and established methods of helping people at a pretty high rate. So uh, one of the study, this came from Pew, it said that if offered a job at an organization with a mission they care about, 30% of Gen Z members would agree to take a 10 to 20% pay cut. Uh, also, uh, Gen Z says that 60% of the, the the generation is looking for a job that will have a direct positive impact on the world. It really I does love seem that. Like, it's like when I was 17 or 16, it was like my day was goofing around on a skateboard, making prank calls, <laughs> like making like dumb, like jackass videos, even though YouTube wasn't a thing yet. And it would just be like me and my buddies watching. It was like, this is a great way to spend some of the most important years of my life. Where like Gen Z kids are on the news, like founding a super PAC. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're legitimately influencing policy, but I'm very hopeful about the next generation and their, you know, predisposition to, to make change. I completely agree. And I, I think that we're going to see a lot of businesses that don't keep up with the times, who are not making a difference, who aren't investing well, who aren't making the world a net more positive place going out of business because Gen Z isn't going to stand for it. And I think that was yeah. true to some degree with millennials, but like Gen Z, you know, you said it like they're not going to work for a company that doesn't align with their values and they would take a, a big pay cut to work at a company that aligns with their values. And I'm sure that extends to their, to their credit cards as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're coming out of the most indebted generation in history, you know, uh, a lot of that is due to student loans. Um, but a lot of it's due to consumer spending and kind mm. of economic conditions where I feel like that's another kind of lesson that Gen Z will hopefully be able to kind of take from ours is, is not being overly saddled with debt, especially as you're kind of starting your professional career. That's amazing. Yep. Such good news all around. Yeah. All right. So what, what do you got next for us? Okay. So the next story, we, we kind of talked about how everybody loves a look for the helper story. Now I've got a, a kind of story that not everybody loves, but I love. So I'm bringing okay. it. And, and because I, I get to run good, 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 we do a lot of these stories, even though you know they're, they're never going to be the thing that goes viral, but it's it's so heartening to me. And that's data stories. Yeah. Because what's interesting is... and 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 you know, you've kind of shared some data as well. Uh, data helps us understand where we've been, where we're going. And the, the really exciting thing about it is that most progress that happens, 
will will not make headlines because it's not a big thing. You know, for example, every day hundreds of planes go into the air and they land safely and they don't make news. The ones that make the news are obviously the ones that explode. Uh, and so the data can show us that year over year, yeah. like planes get safer. Data can show us that year over year, the people who die from HIV and AIDS decreases. But like, because it happens steadily, it'll never be like this breaking news story. And so a, a piece of data that I came in with today says you know, it talks about this idea that I think when we headed into the pandemic, many people assumed that suicides would spike in 2020, yeah. but newly released data actually suggests otherwise. And um, basically uh, in Canada, in Alberta, Canada, suicides actually decreased in 2020, uh, which you know, of course, surprised a lot of people because we know that there were mental health impacts from the pandemic, from lockdowns, from the insecurity that all of us felt. But Tyler Black, this psychiatrist and suicide expert at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, talked to CBS News and shared that the levels of distress have certainly increased amid the pandemic um, and have upended everybody's lives. But he says that there is not a straight line between distress and suicide. And Mm. uh, we saw a significant decrease in suicides in 2020. And he had a few ideas on on why this might be. Um, One, we did see an increase in people reaching out to suicide prevention hotlines. And you would normally think, oh, that means that more people are struggling. But it actually means that more people are seeking help when they're struggling, which is really good news. Um, And that helps offset suicide deaths. The other factor is this phenomenon called the pull-together effect, which has been seen in disasters and other situations where community is affected by hardships, where everybody works together to create collective action and it helps us feel more cohesive, more connected. Mm. And so while this was specifically true in uh, Alberta, Canada, where the study was done, um, there is emerging data that also suggests a similar decline globally. And so it's it's helpful to to see this because our 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 natural instinct is to think, yeah. oh my gosh, it's terrifying to think about the number of people who may have died from suicide. And certainly people did. And, and that is heartbreaking. Yeah. But the good news is it, the the reality wasn't as terrible as we thought. And that can help us feel a little bit more hopeful about what it can do, what like the roles that each of us can play in helping make sure that 2021 continues that downward trend and that uh, we continue to do the things that help reduce suicides. Yeah, I, dude, I, I I ran across that uh, a similar stat out in the wild, and I just remember, I remember for a while when, kind of early in the honestly, it's kind of been throughout the whole pandemic, voices and and people that I am in contact with on social media posting their opposition to you know mask mandates and social distancing measures and kind of and saying, hey, you know the suicide rate is growing going up because of these measures and i don't think those people were disingenuous i may not agree with their you know specific positions on certain social issues and policy matters but you know i do think truth matters you know and i think stats like that even though like it might be a little counterintuitive like our intuition would be well people are like you said you know becoming more distressed that you know economically they're more isolated but 
knowing that the links between something like distress and 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 suicide and the suicide rate you know knowing that connection isn't totally clear i think it does also help us just make more informed decisions when we're when we're talking about the social impacts of certain policies and ideas totally exactly you know, i mean you look there's a lot of counterintuitive stats out there that i think ultimately that are positive to understand. I mean, I was reading one about the abortion rate. I mean, you know, how it's not necessarily, you know, the a rise and fall in the abortion rate isn't always, you know, necessarily directly linked to legal access to abortion. You know, yep. there are a lot of other factors that have a much greater impact that sometimes are counterintuitive. But to your point, stats like that about, you know, the suicide rate not rising, actually falling, are not only encouraging, but I think it, it it does kind of wake people up to the fact that, hey, maybe just because I assume that this is the unintended yep. or intended consequence of something, maybe I should actually look at the data to see what that says. Because sometimes, in this case, it, it, it's really surprising. Yeah. If you care about a topic like abortion, like suicide, then you want to solve the actual problems and you want to solve them effectively. And so if we're going to solve problems, let's solve the right problems and let's do it correctly. Yeah. And there's all kinds of ways to, uh, to to just be thoughtful about the ways that we choose to make a difference in the world. Yeah, it, it's sort of, it's like the the sort of cyber analytic approach to developing policy and and kind of social measures and val- even kind of values and worldview. It, it, you know, kind of taking that data and letting that kind of inform well, maybe I'll approach it this way because it'll have a more imp- a greater impact. It's like when are you are you a, 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 a sports fan much, Brandon? No, it would be disingenuous to at all pretend that I am at all a sports fan, but I, I am aware of sports. Yeah, well, it, it's <laughs> like when the West Coast offense came to the NFL. It's just like common knowledge. Like, well, you run the ball if you're going for three yards, and if you're going for eight yards, you pass it. And one coach is like, well, look, if you look at the numbers, we could just pass every down for three yards and make our way up the field. It's like that counterintuitive approach. Like huh. the numbers actually say, if we do something that might not make sense, quote unquote, it will have a greater impact and it revolutionized the game. And I think, you know, taking that approach of like, if we have, if we objectively look at reality and numbers and truth, that's going to be way better at informing our behavior than speculating based on what our biases are, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. So I have one, and this falls into a category that I'm sure you see all the time, is research or a study telling you something that you want to be great actually is great. Is a, <laughs> That's my favorite kind of news because I can like email to people like, see, I told you. See, I told you I don't need to be flossing every day. Science <laughs> says so. Like That's my favorite kind of study. So this is a quick one because I, I, I talked about one of these on, on the Relevant Pod uh, a couple weeks ago, how scientists... I, by the way, I love that scientists have so much to do. They just decide to study random things that doesn't matter. But they 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 scientifically determine that it's healthier for you to eat a slice of pizza in the morning than a bowl of cereal. And to me, wow. to me, that's fantastic news. Yes. Especially like college age me, that is the greatest news ever. Uh, but this one, uh, this recent study, and it was kind of sparked by different changes in behavior that people have been experiencing during COVID. Is that playing outside scientifically? is a great decision for your health uh, and for your mental health. Uh, so they actually found that a, the the stress hormone cortisol, which causes anxiety and prolonged cortisol release in your mind, can uh, you know have pretty bad cardiovascular things long term. It's you know stress and anxiety. Cortisol, which causes stress, 
uh, it, it, if you spend uh, just 21 to 30 minutes outside, cortisol levels fall in your body. But no. you have to spend it in one, it has to be at least like 21 minutes. That was the, the bottom point. Cool. And, okay. Yeah. And they said that a 90 minute walk outside uh, dramatically decreases activity in the part of your brain that's associated with depression. So I hear that and I say, yes. Everyone should spend a little time outside. But now it's like, you know, I've, I've like a, a, my son like loves to be outside and ride his bike. It's like, hey, I'm doing I'm doing my mental health a favor here by yes. riding the bike around the neighborhood with 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 my little dude. You know, like I'm scientifically validated in giving myself a reason to do this. So I love those types of stories, too. That is so cool. That's so I did. I love that. I'm going to go outside after this. That, yeah. I, I'm so, 20 minutes. That's all you need. Yeah. To be honest, I, I have been neglecting that often because I'm working from home. And yeah. like I used to bike to my office. I used to spend so much more time outside. I do not have that anymore. And so I do need that little kick in the butt. Dude, I this has been my thing during COVID. You no matter how busy I am, right? I didn't I knock on wood, I didn't do it today yet, but I will. <laughs> but no matter how busy I am, I have like a little loop and it's just under a mile in my neighborhood that I know if I start walking, I can be back to my house in, you know, 20 minutes. So I can go. And if I if I'm like struggling during the day or getting overwhelmed or like, dude, I, you know, I got there's too much time, you know that frazzled feeling. Yep. Yep. 20 minutes is all I need to come back and, and feel recharged. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge advocate these days. Um, all right. I'm so, sold. So we're coming down the stretch here. You got, you got two okay. more stories. What, what do you got next for us? Okay. So the next story, you know, earlier I talked about the idea of people who are using their unique skills to make a difference. Yeah. But now I want to use the example of somebody using um, like something, like the, the example of something that anybody could do. You just have to like, Run with the idea. And this is going to be a very specific example, but I hope it's an encouragement that like we all have ideas. And if we just run with it, you never know what will happen. So uh, there is this amazing movement and actually started in Portland. uh, So that's how I'm I'm kind of, I became familiar with it uh, of people putting these yard signs in their yard with encouraging phrases. They say things like, you are enough. You are worthy of love. You got this. You're not alone you matter. And it was just born from this mom in the suburbs of Portland who heard about a few suicides in her community. Mm. She heard about a few um, you know, people who were really struggling. And she just thought, I never knew these people, but I wish I could have played a role in in encouraging them on a hard day. And so she decided to ask a friend who's a graphic designer to like mock up some words. And it's just, it literally is just like a font on a, on a white background. It's just text that says, wow. you are enough or don't give up. And they sent it to like a company that makes like political yard signs. Uh, they probably paid like 20 bucks for each sign. They ordered five. And she went around town. No, she ordered 10. She went around town and she put a few in like public places. And then she like knocked on random strangers' doors and said, would you put this in your yard for just 30 days? I think it'll just be an encouragement to our community. She goes home, opens up Facebook. All of a sudden, there are hundreds of people who are posting in like the community Facebook groups where like people are buying and selling stuff or gossiping or whatever it is that people do. And, uh, and they're like, where are these from? I need to put some up. And she also starts to receive like messages from people who were like, I was really struggling and this is exactly what I needed to hear. And she has 
dozens, maybe hundreds of stories of people saying like, this is what I needed to hear on my on the worst day of my life. And wow. it just started with a sign. And so it has since gone on to like blow up. There, you, you, probably many listeners have seen these in their community, not known what they were about because yeah. they don't have any branding on them too. That like, that's such a oh, cool, wow, exciting yeah. part. Like there's no like website. There's no like... And they, they sell them all at cost. But the website is don'tgiveupsigns.com. The woman, her name is Amy Wolf. We actually have a podcast episode on our oh, podcast cool. coming out in probably like two or three weeks. So this is like a little secret yeah. sneak preview. But it's just such a cool example of like, for if you got 50 bucks and an idea, like you can make a difference in people's lives. And who knows, it might catch on and it might help inspire others to join in and do the same thing. Dude, I love that story. And that's actually, it's funny. My my next one is sort of in that same vein of like, it doesn't have quite the inspirational twist uh, (laughs) of a movement, of a a pro positive mental health movement sweeping the country. But it does show that one person with a vision can, you know, make an impact and really achieve something. Um, uh, It's the story of Morgan Cooper. Have you heard of Morgan Cooper? I I do not know. I don't know. He is a he is a young indie filmmaker who was living in Kansas City up until about uh, a year and a half ago, and that's when in March of 2019 he released on YouTube a four minute kind of short. It's basically like a long trailer um, for an idea that he had, and he decided to hire all local actors and finance this four minute you know kind of film fan film himself. And the film depicted a an extended trailer for like a gritty, dramatic reboot of the series The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, th- his idea was to call it Bel-Air <laughs> and kind of look at the story in kind of a modern context. And instead of it being a comedy about sort of a fish out of water of it, you know, being a a drama that looks at some of the social and economic dynamics at the core of the show, which is about for people who don't somehow I could rap the theme song for you right now. Yeah, you can West just wrap the description, which happens yeah. to be the theme song. Yeah, exactly. It basically tells us Will Smith, a young Will Smith plays a kid who leaves uh, uh, Philadelphia because of violence, uh, because of street violence, basically, and moves in with his rich family members that live in Bel Air and kind of the, the comedy that ensues. But anyway, Morgan had an idea of like, what if this was reboot in a modern context and kind of, you know, discussed, you know, some interesting uh, contemporary issues. So he shot this trailer. Well, it ended up going viral. It got the attention (laughs) of Will Smith himself, who endorsed it, of uh, filmmakers like Ava DuVernay. Well, just uh, two weeks ago, it was ordered as a straight to series two no. season order after a huge bidding war went down. Uh, the last two networks standing were Peacock and Netflix and Netflix what? without seeing anything else, or I'm sorry, Peacock without seeing anything else has ordered two season of Morgan's Cooper show. All I have to say, look, if you're out there and you're listening and you are a creative person that wants a career making, you know, the, the, the art that you're passionate about, do it. You'd never, I mean, you hear tons of stories like this kid, Morgan Cooper, who, you know, self-financed, took a bet on himself and now it's paying off. Now he's a showrunner of a, of a new NBC show. So, so it's possible, you know, I love hearing stories. It's like, it's, it's, it's not dissimilar from someone like Billie Eilish, you know what I mean? Kind of making music in her bedroom, putting it out on SoundCloud and blowing up. There's no excuses not to get out there and and make stuff. I just, Totally got goosebumps. I thought that the story was not going to end with. I thought that the story was going to be like it went viral. Like will like 
like Will Smith said something positive and like, that's awesome. No, it turned into the show. Like what it's, uh, that's so exciting. And I cannot wait to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Well, uh, yeah, you, you can check out the trailer now if you want. It's called Bel Air. It's four minutes long. All right. Oh, so man. final, final story, Brandon, what do you got for us, man? Okay. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to rap with a, not, not rap rap. Uh, I wanted <laughs> You're to, welcome to, if you want <laughs> I wanted to rap, but Jesse said I'm not allowed. So <laughs> different, different episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I wanted to rap with an animal story because okay. a lot of times when I tell people I work in the world of good news, they tell me about a cute video they watched of a puppy and a kitten playing, and they're like, "Did you share that?" And I'm like. No, that's not really what we do. And yeah. <laughs> what we describe that as the difference between feel good news and real good news. So feel good news is the absence of bad news. Real good news is the response to bad news okay. in a good way. Um, and so I was so against animal good news. And then I have enough teammates on, on the good, good, good team who love animals and they were pushing me. They're like, we should, we should do something with animals. Yeah. And they proposed enough ideas that, that I was like, oh, these are actually in line with our, our values and our goals that we made a whole issue of the good newspaper. That's the animals edition of oh, the good nice. newspaper. Uh, and there's so many amazing pieces of good news about animals to celebrate. And so <laughs> I don't know, you can tell me if this is cheating, but I was going to run through five quick headlines oh, of just like Let's, all the lightning, ways that animals... Lightning animal round? Absolutely. Done. Perfect. Cool. So so from May 2018 to May 2019, which is when the study was done, zero elephants were poached in that entire year oh, in wow. a top African wildlife park. And we're seeing huge decreases in elephant poaching around the globe. Um, number two, uh, a dog that was badly burned is now being trained to be a therapy dog at a burn center. Oh, and it's cool. this beautiful story of this dog who, you know, is without even really maybe necessarily knowing it, using their unique experiences to make a difference for kids and adults who are experiencing the trauma of, of, of being in a burn unit. Um, a new study finds that you can pet your stress away by cuddling cats and dogs. Another thing where it's like, finally, this confirms the thing that I hoped was true. Yeah. Um, and then lastly if this is five, I think, uh, rhino poaching is declining thanks to South African government's efforts. And uh, it's just exciting to see so many different ways that animals are doing good and people are doing good for animals. And uh, that is just, oh my gosh, one more. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm just like Look, scrolling no, through the it, issue. Bring it. There's this tech designer who has started developing 3D printed uh body parts for uh, dogs who are missing limbs and, and whatnot. And specifically, they created a 3D printed leg to help an injured owl live a normal life. And it is <laughs> so cute and so niche. And like 3D printing is amazing. I just can't believe it. I love any headline that has the words injured owl and 3D printing. Like, yep. okay, I'm in. I got to see where this is going. What? <laughs> Dude, I love a good animal story. All right, for my final one, Brandon, I'm going to throw you a little curveball because I don't know if this is technically a good story, but I thought it was super <laughs> interesting. It was good to me. Uh, and I don't even know what I think about this one, but you know, I was thinking about good news. It's probably the one I've been most interested in. Uh, it's kind of good, I guess, for uh, that... 
large government institutions are coming more transparent because uh, we've had these really crazy, uh, you know, disclosures about UFOs come out all this year. And <laughs> yes. I don't know if ultimately this is a good or bad story. I don't know. You know, who knows if it's if it's, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, military, you know, experiments or, or, you know, just kind of testing of new technologies or if there is some sort of intelligent life that is visiting Earth. But I've been fascinated and like also kind of encouraged that people are at least open minded enough to like have reputable news outlets like cover these stories and to people you know again i don't really have a horse in the race i don't really think about it too too much but i've thought i've just thought man it's so interesting how a topic like this which not that long ago would have sort of been laughed off any newsroom you know in any newspaper is being covered like in in institutions like the new york times you know i thought this was a really interesting and kind of good news turn i guess that people are kind of collectively willing to have bigger have have conversations that are sort of outside of what is traditionally deemed newsworthy absolutely and i think that probably tells a larger story of the way that we're maybe able to think a little bit more outside the box after all that's happened over the last few years and that might allow us to solve some problems in some unique ways and the other thing i also want to say is you say you don't have a horse in this race and i just want to say to our alien overlords if they're listening <laughs> that i celebrate you visiting our beautiful planet and i respect you i wish you the best and uh and I can't, I am not associated with Jesse Carey. I, if, if he's disrespecting you, it has nothing to do with me. Bring it, Please bring don't it aliens. Show yourself, show yourself. I'm not talking about weird, you know, sketchy videos. I'm t- show yourself. <laughs> Quit teasing us. You're taking Hey, but see real talk though. You're, you're a you know, journalist. How crazy would it be if like, because it, like, let's say five years, it's like confirmed. Like, no, there's definitely aliens or whatever. Wouldn't it be crazy? Because most people at that point would probably be like, yeah, we kind of already found out about that. Like the biggest story in the yeah. history of like humanity, like most people are like, oh, we kind of, it's kind of been on the news already. You know, like we're more concerned about like when like a new chicken sandwich gets really like, <laughs> like the weird stuff that gets so much press when there's like, hey, the government just admitted there's weird metals that they found in the desert that uh, seem to have artificial intelligence embedded. It's like, yeah, but man, you can't even buy this sandwich right now. It's so big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it is funny how news cycles work. It feels like a Twitter meme of like, normalize aliens coming to Earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it worked. It worked. No one cares. Like, yep. it's like, no, it's it's like a news story that's constantly been there for like the last two years and no one's like, oh, that's kind of cool. What else is going on? You know, what's coming on <laughs> Netflix this week? Uh, yeah. This Haunted Hotel documentary looks good. You know, like it is. <laughs> well, Brandon, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I encourage people, hey, they can follow you at Brandon Harvey pretty much on, that's that's the handle yep. on all the platforms. Yeah, Brandon good- spelled with an E-N. A little funny. Good, good, good. Co, where you can get the pod, you can get the newsletter, and you can get a beautiful physical product because there's nothing like having a, an old school. Even though, even though you're kind of new to the, I start. I was a, I did a, the college newspaper, and it, the paper was so small that not only did you have to be an editor for the paper, but you also had to deliver them. But <laughs> I actually came to really love it, like bringing 
you know, bales of newspaper yeah. to the different kind of outlets and the little, you know, newsstands and the in the little shops. It felt really rewarding. And I think it's really cool that you're, you know, helping to keep newspapers thriving in an era where I think more people would really enjoy the experience. There's something about that crinkle and yep. reading off the page that is just really rewarding experience. Nothing goes better with a cup of coffee than the smell of ink on newspaper paper, in my opinion. It's true. And and couple that with good news and you've got a good day ahead of you. There you go, man. Well, everyone check it out. Go to goodgoodgood.co. Subscribe. Brandon, thanks again, man. Thank you so much, Jesse. So happy to be here. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode of Listed on the Ironclad Content Network. Hey, if you like the show, I know every podcast has to do it, but it really does help. If you like the show, leave a rating and review. I really appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.